<laughs> really grilling for dummies? I'm getting a new grill. And apparently, you're not ashamed to admit that you know absolutely nothing about it. Yeah, what I... I'm not Gordon Ramsay. I don't know about this new grill. So I get the book. Usually you have to root around for your shortcomings, like Ollie hunting for treats. But this is just right in front of my face. I like the books. They make things simple. Uh, did you just say books? That's a lot of books. I thought these were all yellow pages. Why would I keep yellow pages? Why would you keep a stack of how I'm a dummy books everywhere? Because this is my own... Personal research library. Stretching for dummies? Yeah. Holiday entertaining for dummies? Those are high-pressure situations. Cryptography for dummies? Three seconds. What is cryptography? You know what? That one came in a set. Oh, Justin. Baseball for dummies? I should have hid that one. You were a baseball player, Justin. It's full of common sense playmaking advice. Jesus. Mexico's beach resorts for dummies? How hard is it to hang out on the beach in Mexico? Is there a how to hide your glaring lack of knowledge from your brothers for dummies? Because that's the one you should have bought. Thank you, Isaac, for that tasty jam. I was just writing that bass line all the way through. <laughs> that shit is tasty as fuck, man. Yeah, Gosh. it's so good. We're going to add lyrics here too soon, but um, it just takes time. Creativity takes time. So we decided, you know what? Screw it. We're switching over. Mm. We had a, a song specifically made for our show by a wonderful musician. So we're going to play it and give it to the people. Yeah, why wouldn't we? Yeah. It's, it's the right thing to do. I poured Brandon a beer, but it appears like he's brought himself a sock beer, like he's James Vanderbeek from How I Met Your Mother. I don't know if I can open it, though, because I'm not a real Mexican, and I can't use just anything to open up beer. <laughs> yeah, if you were a true Mexican, you would have bitten the top of that thing off. I have fake teeth. Yeah. Even with my real teeth, I would not do that. People are freaking nuts. Over. I don't want to use it. I want. I could use a table very easily, but we have all this equipment. I'm not going to do that. Um, I feel like... Um, hold on. Hold on. I feel like this is embarrassing. This is kind of embarrassing. I got to figure this out. He can't open a beer, guys. This is, I remember my first beer. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of, I if I had a lighter too, I could probably open it. Mm -hmm. For my cigarette nope. smoking days. Nope. Can't get it. <laughs> I can't get it. <laughs> we should, um, uh, so we, we, we're going to give you guys our Marvel Minute in the, in the intro and everything because we didn't record the video yet. Uh, scheduling is what it is. I, we are doing a lot more video creating, and our TikTok is starting to come around a little bit more. Wait, um, we're doing a lot more video creating? <laughs> okay, you, you, I'm you're a, doing. I'm taking Justin's, a bulk of it. Just, yes. just, just is being very kind. I have done zero. I've uh, done zero I'm hoping by saying we, Brandon, because I'm going on shift now, and he's going to be off, we'll take that as an invitation to... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take that as an invitation to start making some videos for TikTok. Yeah, and, and Ollie Doggo is going to actually start speaking in this podcast. Uh, I'm pretty sure he Get has. your head out of your ass, Justin. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he has. I want to open this beer. So uh, don't do it. 
Don't do it. Oh, I did it. Uh, so if your teeth came out right here in the middle of this. If I would have felt more pressure, I would have stopped. Okay. <laughs> I just want to thank my favorite brother for actually getting me a birthday present. And he uh, imported me some beer, and it's a porter, and it's delicious. Um, I have two responses to that. One, he gives me a beer every time I come over here. <laughs> well, okay, so I have three responses. One, I give you a beer every time you come over. Mm-hmm. Two, I don't give a shit about your birthday or who your favorite brother is. Bryson could suck it. Mm. Three, I don't like porters. So, well, this is Great Lakes, um, Great Lakes Brewing <laughs> Company. Uh, Edmund Fitzgerald Porter. Edmund six percent alcohol because we're not in Canada. Alcohol. Drugs and alcohol. alcohol. Uh, government <laughs> warning number one, according to Surgeon Jet. No, I'm not going to read that whole thing. That'd be hilarious, though, right? Robust and complex. Our porter is a bittersweet tribute to the legendary Frey, freighter, fall, uh, fright, freighters, fallen crew. I, I was like, my brain wanted to say fighters, like firefighters, but it was like, nope, this is freighters. This is not fire. Yep. Anyways, fallen crew taken too soon when the gales of November came early. For a fresh taste, please enjoy by eleven twenty six twenty one. It's okay. They're going to be gone long before that. I, I he gave me a, a twelve pack, and um, it came in in a box, and and it it is easy to delish. Mm. Is it squished delish or just delish? It's it's squished delish. Don't mish. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Any, anyways. Anyways. <laughs> Okay. Hope you guys check out our TikToks. Uh, they'll get that out of the way before we get into a Marvel Minute. Uh, go follow us on TikTok and on Instagram at How Did We Pod. You can follow my Instagram personally where you'll see more of personalized videos for not just this show, but for some of the competitions that we're doing. Also for some of the pod hack side, which is my baseball side of things. Oh, just a Reyes. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> that's so good. It's Brandon, like coffee and chocolate, and it's like... I like coffee and chocolate, it's but not rich. in a beer. Just try it. Just take a sip. Okay. Tell them about your how to find you on Instagram. You can find me at uh, BrandonBro underscore 94. You can also go to my Twitter, BrandonBro94. I don't really check there too often, but I do get on every once in a while. I don't really post there, but uh, Instagram seems to be a little bit more active than anywhere else. Um, so, and if you want to get a hold of me, that's the place to go, or just email us at hgwghpod1 at gmail.com. It's just as previously said. Yeah. What do you think of the beer? Bad. It's not bad. You're supposed to drink them warm. That's why you probably don't like uh, dark beers because you drink them cold. Mm. That's uh, whenever uh, you asked me earlier, you want a cold cold glass or a warm glass. I said cold. I said uh, it could be cold, but preferably warm. That's why. Is it weird? Go ahead. That I wanted to throw like some ice and some creamer in there with that because mm, it tastes like coffee. Yeah, it's pretty good. Coffee. Could you imagine that coffee. with 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 coffee, coffee. in the morning? Oh, that speaking of which, delicious um, major developments between our last recording and this recording. Uh, major developments between this last recording and this mm-hmm. recording. You know what it is? Mm. PSL season. Pumpkin pretty. cream, nitro cold oh, brews. I thought you were saying Pretty Little Liars. Pretty. I was like, <laughs> no, it's PL PSL squared. Oh. No, it's PL squared. Uh, I'm talking about PSL. Yeah, sorry, pumpkin spice lattes. I don't watch either or enjoy P- pumpkin pumpkin spice lattes. I've been sending a lot of Justin a lot of. I've been sending a lot of Justin a lot of memes. Um, I just wanted, love the shit. I just wanted to make sure spice. you guys knew I heard me say that completely messed up. I love I've the been shit. I him a lot of uh, white girl memes, like because Justin's a basic white bitch. And when it comes to pumpkin spice, I don't give a fuck. Cause it's so good. That pumpkin cream I nitro don't think cold it's good. brew. I like pumpkin. 
the pumpkin cream nitro cold brew though. That pumpkin cream nitro cold brew though. You've gotten me some sort of pumpkin something from with some from sub uh, from Starbucks Subway Starbucks with the extra gay and usually extra gay makes anything good. I will say, uh, but it was not good. I will say every now and again you get a barista that doesn't mix the cream right and it doesn't it just doesn't taste right. But when it's made right, you mean with any barista? Come on, come on, come on, come on. You're an idiot. Come on. This shit's gross. <laughs> You're an idiot. I love me some pumpkin spice nitro cold brew all day. Yeah. All day, son. Yeah. All day. Yeah, your taste buds are whack. All right. Um, <laughs> okay. What are uh, we talking about today? So we have to do our Marvel Minute real quick before we get oh, into the guidebook. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, okay, thank before you for we a- do a- Thank you for not answering, answering, and then moving past it. Okay, so we're going to we're gonna try to keep this shorter this time uh, because we're going to start not do, a Marvel. You know what? Let's do a timer. Let's do a timer. Once the minute's up, we're done. But let me, so can I talk, no, can I talk about Ted Lasso real quick? was like, oh God, no. <laughs> can I talk about Ted Lasso real quick? I haven't seen the Tomorrow's episode, but I'm all caught up with this. Let's talk about this. <laughs> so I got a question for you. What's up with our boy, Nate? Nate's fucking losing it. Dude, he needs to get his shit together. Well, and a part of it is because Ted is having a mental breakdown, so he can't really help him. Yeah. And and Ted would be the one to and, to, and Beard's to Beard uh, Miss Doc Coach Beard he's just too reserved yeah that's his thing he's very subtle Do better he, that's all he tells him okay um real quick Gabby didn't appreciate this but I, I told her I said how the fuck did Keeley not not see that coming with with Roy Kent about being on top of him all the time I mean he's here he's there. He's, he's every, every fucking, fucking where he's he's Roy Kent. He's Roy Kent. He's here. He's there. He's every fucking where Roy Kent. Roy Kent, dude. <laughs> Told her I said I said that makes sense. He's here. He's there. I mean, of course he's gonna be on top of her. Yeah. Actually, actually, it feels like they set that up, <laughs> yeah, and I feel set up for that. Um, uh, but I do like how she like. I feel like she needed to say something though. She she's feeling she if she happens we start she's working with him now too overbearing. Yes, like it's too yeah. much because it was fine before, but now they work together. Now she's really yeah. seeing him all the time. And then and then Jamie Tart of all people, yeah. I, I didn't even say anything. I wasn't He's even like, being an ass. Fuck. <laughs> what does he say? I'm not even saying. I wasn't even being. Uh, I wasn't even being a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I can't give him space. I know. <laughs> I need. That's the wrong thing to do. I need to back off of him. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie did his face. I know. <laughs> and his freaking eyebrow. And his stare at it every time. I, I, know. Know. I, stared, at, I stared at his lips and I stared at his eyebrow. That the is the actor, two things. The actor that played Roy Kent, he's on um, Twitter. And they asked him, like, what was the hardest? One was the hardest time for you to keep character. And he says, every scene with Jamie Tart. I believe is, it. Is, is hard for everybody. Like, they, they have he's a hard ridiculous. time. <laughs> <laughs> he's ridiculous. He's <laughs> ridiculous. It's like a little baby. It's, the, like the a one, little it's like a little Jamie, but he's like, uh, God bless me, everyone. <laughs> Jesus. Kills me. Yeah. It kills me every time. Yeah, they say that they have a hard time. Um, <sighs> so now, everyone go watch Ted Lasso if you have not done so already. It's worth it. Um, I mean, you, if you want to wait until the end of season two, it's right around the corner. Yeah. One, one last thing. The therapist, I can love her. I love she's that great. character and she does great. The actress is, does a really good job. Uh, but moving on She's there. a total counter Ted. She, she, I feel like they have the same goal. Mm-hmm. They have opposite ways of reaching it. And I love how patient she is too with, with him. And and I like how whenever, she, whenever he disrespected her, yep. she addressed it. 
but like in like the most best way possible. Yeah. Like, hey, I was extremely offended whenever you said that. And I'm going to explain to you why. In and a then calm, he was like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. He's like, you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. He's like, are you, you get coached? Do you get paid for it? Or would you, would you get, do coaching for free? Or, uh, or do you get, are you a coach for free? He's like, I would. I would do it for free. But do you? No. Yeah. Does that make you care about your players any less? Yeah. I yeah. love that. She disagree. And, and, and you're just like, dude, yeah, he needs it. But he needs that. He does. Especially right now, and he's losing his mind. Yep, and I love how he keeps storming out on her because it's it's <laughs> him. He he knows that he needs the help. He's always put on this this. Um, I wouldn't even say it a brave, but this upbeat and personable facade. I feel like he's bipolar. <clears throat> I don't know if he's bipolar. I think his life has had some some things he, he that have been rough, but never to this extreme. And now he's finding it. He's found himself in a very peculiar situation where mm. he wants to remain who he is as Ted Lasso to his core, but he can't. But his world that he knows crumbles around him. So yeah. now he's facing this kind of duality. And also at the same time, his team's winning. Yeah, because they were tying the whole season. They were tying up to this point, and that was kind of a and distraction now they're like for six, six weeks straight. Yeah. they've been winning, and and it and Roy Kent coming onto the pitch helped a lot. Yeah. Be, and then the one prick play like a prick, yeah. Sometimes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that that how uh, how Jamie has become a complete team player, yeah. And then and then it takes so Ted makes him a complete team team player, and he had then, to break him down. And then Roy <laughs> comes in and he's like, "All right, Who now I'm going to give you some leash." Yeah, you know, Who but hates I'm going to do it. But, knows. it. but hates him, but he knows him so well. He knows the sport so well. He knows yeah. the sport better than Ted will ever know it. Yep. You know? Okay. Moving on from Ted Lasso, go watch it. Um, go watch it, yes. How much are we going to share from Shang-Chi? Because it's not... Very that. little. Very little. I will say... It's been a week. I liked so. it a lot. It's very good. It's been exactly a week. Um, it's It was very, very, very good. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I had such a, a good experience. Watched it in the, the Roadhouse Cinemas. It was big. I had a couple beers, a couple kill lifters. Couple Give me beers, some. Couple Give me beers. A couple beers. I had a couple beers. Um, yeah, we got a cheers on that, mate. You take a little fruity beer there, and I'll take my dark one. God, that's good. That's so good. Thank you, Bryson Reyes. Bryson, Bryson Christopher sucks. Reyes. Thank Bryson you so sucks. much. Bryson sucks. Actually got me a Christmas present. Bryson he sucks. Asked, asked me two weeks ago. Yeah, to, well, two weeks prior, so three weeks ago. Yeah, Bryson's the worst. Hey, do you want it for your birthday? And I said, I was like, I'll t- you know I want a beer. I'm I want actually, a porter. I'm wearing Bryson's gift right now, too. I know. I just said, Bry- <laughs> <laughs> Bryson got us all gifts. But still suck it, Bryson. I told him that I would talk nothing but nice about him on the episode. That'd be my way to thank him. for Because yeah. I don't take gifts. I like I, I feel like I have to compensate. Mm. When I get a gift, I feel like I have to compensate. Okay, then we'll, we'll talk nicely about Bryson. I take back all my suck at Bryson's, and we're going to be nice to him from here on out. Bryson's big, beautiful. We'll at least try to make it through the opener. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you were doing it, at least I felt like I was relieved my Bryson crap talk through you. But now that you're on my side, I'm like, oh no, <laughs> this isn't the plan. <laughs> uh, Shang-Chi though. Uh, Shang-Chi. They, Aquafina, that's my lady, dude. She's hilarious. She's she's very funny. She's um, hilarious. They uh, like That's the homie right there. They... They took it in some directions that I I didn't think they would, and they took it in some directions I thought they they that they would. Yeah, uh, I I I'm was not super excited to see where they go from here. Let's put it this way: I wasn't surprised by really anything that happened. I was excited, or I was I was very satisfied by the end, though. I think if you follow anything Marvel, 
if you're a diehard Marvel guys like we are and you follow anything Marvel, which I'm sure you do, you understand that they bring back the actor that plays him in Iron Man 3. And this justifies Iron Man 3 as a good movie. I want I want to make that clear. This justifies because it 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 closes up a lot of the story. It closes up a lot. I'm telling you, go rewatch it. I think Iron Man three is slept on. I stand by what I said. It's it's slept on, and this closes up some of the loops. Uh, he was hilarious with his little freaking chair winged thing with no yeah. face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and they were they were. Uh, uh, I watched. I follow Marvel their Instagram page. They post a lot of it. So and so yeah, stay away from it right now. So I'm glad I I'm, I'm glad I I'm glad I saw the movie because that was a fun surprise to see. Yes, and I mean thank you to my my wife like she uh, helped me make this like uh, make it available so I can go do this. Yeah, with my best friend and my oldest like we got to we got to watch the movie together, have a good time. I had a couple yep. beers. We we had some popcorn. Milo got a corn dog. Like it was a good time. Sure and then before dog. that we went to uh, uh, Top Golf and mm-hmm. I was doing awful. But it was fun. Yeah, I saw your wife was trying to teach you. Guys and I got some that. mojitos. Actually, she was teaching him. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, um, so quick shout out again to our wives who are amazing, wonderful. Yeah. And Eric, she got Desert me like. Moon is, is kill, killing it. She got me all sorts of like other stuff too, like uh, shirts and, and a pillowcase with Deadpool mm-hmm. holding a gun and flipping off. And actually Milo picked out, which is hilarious. Yeah. And uh, and and. And uh, she's just been awesome and killing it with with Desert Loon. They just did a big project here soon for the school. Suffice Yester- it to say, yesterday they are, they are way too good for us. Three days, good. yeah, I would suffice yeah. to they were they're way too both. Yeah. The both of them are, are amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the Gabriella and they're not and too the shabby in the boudoir, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on from Shang Chi, real quick before we get uh, what if the Doctor oh. Strange episode was amazing, super Have amazing. You seen the zombies yet? It was. I did. Zombies is so good. Uh, the the ending though is like what the fuck. <laughs> it feels like they need to be part two. It's like what the fuck. Yeah. Well, I think after this one, they're gonna start tying them together. I think that's what it is because they are all gonna tie together all of them. I don't. I don't think they should. Well, they are. I wish they didn't. Because it's all gonna tie into, um, dude, the Watcher coming out and talking to Doctor Strange, dude. What a what a amazing moment. Uden. How do I put that episode? I think that was the best episode. Because it was just so so beautifully done. It's like if anyone here has ever seen um, Mythic Quest. Mm. Have you, did you watch Mythic Quest? No. So watch ep- watch season one. Season one, it's funny. It has Rob McElhenney, right? Um, they yeah, do a great I, job. I'm going to watch it eventually. But you keep pushing it. It makes me want to watch it less. Like, kind of like you and Rick and Morty. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just going to say this this one thing and I'll get off. It's like a funny show. And then like halfway through the season, there's one episode where they go back and it's like, hauntingly beautiful it's dark it's completely different from the rest of the show but it's like so beautifully done that's what that dr strange episode felt like it felt like it's almost going to be part of its own self but it was just like haunting because you can feel like the way they did it, even as a card the way they did it you can feel 34 minutes and it was it was anguish. well done yeah it, it was very well done and yeah. i mean and can't benedict Cumberbatch's uh Amazing. voice acting was just where it needed to be mm-hmm. um i will say i i list, been listening to uh i listened to a few episodes of whitney cummings good for you podcast and she had rob mcelenny on there yeah and um it makes me want to watch the show more but just keeps talking about it. If you if you just watch like I think it's season one episode five, you'll she know, talks you know about I'm that. I'm not going to say anything. You should listen to the episode yourself. Yeah, um, that episode. I'll send it though, to you. That episode so 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 good. Mm. Um, I think that does it for a Marvel minute. We we didn't dive in as much as we usually do. Mm, we held back a lot, but still we were still went a little longer. Mm-hmm. This episode is on guidebooks, and I 
took the research on this one and I really, really enjoyed mm. it because Brandon didn't think there'd be as much meats. Uh, no, I, I just wasn't that interested. And I was. Can I be, can I be frank? And I was. Can I be frank? I did take over, I'll just say it right now because it's not a big deal. I took over the STS, FTSOB, made it FTSOJ. Yeah. So that'll be me. And then I did the opener, of course, because Justin never does openers anymore. Doesn't seem to know how. <laughs> um, so, so it's not it's not figure that shit out, you <laughs> son of a bitch. It's figure that shit out, you son of you a jism. son of a, uh, a jism. <laughs> you son of a son jizz. of jism. I think you son, son of, of a jizz. Son of jism. Yep. Yeah. Which makes sense because we're all sons of jizz. <laughs> yeah. And at some yeah. capacity. Yep. I think but none of us are sons of bitches because bitches are female dogs, not female humans. Yeah. Justin, you son of a bitch. <laughs> You son of a jitch. Uh, this episode, so guidebooks. You we're son talking of a about jackass. Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. We're talking about. Um, we're not talking about. We're talking about Marco books. Polo and the travels of Marco Polo. We're not talking about. Uh, let me let me finish, Brandon. Are we talking about Herodotus <laughs> and histories? Do you see? I let Brandon nerd out. Um, <laughs> I'll let you get there. Wait for it. It's guidebooks. We're talking about travel guidebooks as to. Um, handbooks into he how to travel. He literally has Astro Starlet Brandon nerd out. I haven't read any of the notes yet. This is my first time kind of yep. glancing over them. Let me let me get to this this uh, synopsis, and then we'll get into the episode. Uh, so, <laughs> guidebooks are like handbooks as to figuring out how to to travel. Right, uh, showing you prices, where to go, what to see, as opposed to um, travel stories or travel blogs. How to be a lame ass tourist. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, as opposed to like travel blogs as where they like they they give their own personal stories no travel books guidebooks are more for they're they're cold they're this 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 you can do this you can do that you can't do this you can't do that um type of travel books uh we do like how to vacation in mexico for dummies yes or mexico beach resort for dummies yes if we miss something out as we as always if we do that was that was from the league you guys i haven't seen that show either the league is hilarious it's a very good show. I was dying watching that little one in one minute and eleven seconds is the original clip, and I was dying the whole time. Yeah. So, as always, if you leave, if, if we've missed something, feel free to reach out to us. We are more than happy to hear from you guys. I went through a lot of cross cross referenced some of these, um, some of the things in here, and I'll tell you when we come across them. They were contradicted on various websites, so I, I try to give the ones that were most consistent and from the best websites. I try to go with those facts. Justin, Justin, I know you haven't done a, a ton of research on this podcast. I, I do the bulk of it. That tends to be the case nine times out of 10. Yeah. Well, I just want to reemphasize that that's what that was going on here. Yeah. I, I don't even say it anymore because it seems just like it's just normal now. Yeah. I think we, I think we got to give a little bit just so people reach out to us. I think also, it's just, it's still kind of fresh to you because you don't really do research for the podcast. Also, it stands as. You're poopy head. How do we get here? Podcast. I, I'm, I'm you're leaning. Gonna, you're going to, you're leaning towards dumbass names. I'm leaning towards keeping. How do we get here right now? That can change. If somebody sends us a really, really good name or we come across one again, if you send us a name that we like so much I that we use, haven't, I, I kind of want to change it, but I haven't seen or thought of a name. Yep. Okay. Justin and I have been throwing names back and forth to each other. And none of what we're saying even resonates with me. I'm, I was kind of hoping I can throw something at him and it would like inspire something from him. And, and that didn't the happen. Same thing. And then Justin, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it. It feels like Justin did the same thing and it didn't happen for me either. 
So um, we are we're we're trying to come up with a new, but if we don't, we're going to keep it. And I'm going to give us another uh, maybe week, maybe two, um, as far as like episodes, one or two more episodes. If we don't change the name, we're going to keep it. And and the offer still stands. If somebody sends us a name that we like, Justin so much that will we blow use, you. We, Unless you're a lady, then he'll beat you to death because he doesn't like women. I mean, that seems weird since I'm married to a woman. But, um, <laughs> we will send you guys merchandise when the merchandise comes about, which hopefully end of the year, beginning of next year, it is in the works. We already have reached out to a few people. We've got some things working on. We need to just get a, a, a certain name and a for sure logo, and then we'll move forward yeah, with that. And that's the big thing is we're trying to pick out a logo. So if once we pick out a logo, because it costs money, once we pick out a logo, or once we get a, a commission logo, that's it. Yeah. We're not going anywhere. We're not, at least not for a couple years, probably. Yeah. Um, so we and, will. Oh, hey, hold on. Congratulations, Justin. Happy anniversary. Oh yeah, happy anniversary. Yeah. One more time with the clank of the clanks. Yeah. Yep, yep. Whole year, one year We're stuck with you. Yep. Like I haven't been stuck with you for the first twenty-seven. I haven't got one happy birthday from you. Not last episode or this episode. Anyways, um, if you guys. <laughs> Uh, happy birthday to Brandon. Thank you. I mentioned your birthday right away after it happened. Brandon turned 30. I mean, this episode is number 30. Brandon turned... Justin um, turned 30. 29, 20, nope. 35. Nope. You know how much younger than I am and you stop it. <laughs> Brandon turned 27. Thank you. <laughs> so happy birthday, Brandon, our Thank co-host. You. Uh, we've been doing this for a year now for Thank How Do We Hear Podcast. Um, on top of... If you guys send us a name that we like, that we'll send you merchandise. Move on, right past it. Okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. Cool, 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 cool. From here, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt, cool, 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 cool. Because I'm trying to get to the episode. From from here to January. Okay. We are going to Wario. If we get enough written reviews on Apple Podcast, we will pick at least one, if not two. Manzana Podcast. If we get at least one, if not two of them that we really like from written reviews. We will also send you a t-shirt or some sort of merchandise. Un it has to be a really good. Or dos. You're an idiot. Has to be a really good written review. Apple podcast written reviews. Hopefully that gives you guys enough. Hopefully that shows you guys how important they are to us and how Muy much we want importante. you to do that. Let's get in the episode. Mucho gusto. This episode is once again brought to you by Coop Cooper Enterprises. And those sweet, sweet nerps. These guys do 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 ride every night for Coop. These do, mics do 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 long to record for Coop again. The money's on Coop, yeah. Do, 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 do. I love you, Coop. Brandon, Oceus Outdoor once again brings this episode to us. Uh, OceusOutdoors.com is so amazing as far as waterproof blankets. Like the product itself is amazing. It's so the, great. The people that create it even better. Yes. And and, and our, our boy, uh, Yoni Filoni Schreiber, as I have dubbed him, um, he was so generous enough to send us a couple blankets. You already had one, but he sent us Sherpas and both our wives immediately stole them because <laughs> Yoni sent it for us. The wives took them because they are that comfortable. They are that soft and they work that good. 
Yeah, we talked about um, a lot of the dryness coming in Arizona lately, but we have some monsoon weather coming in. And if you're looking to stay warm during the monsoon while also staying dry, OceanOutdoors.com. You can't get better. You Not, can't get yeah. any better. They even have a pocket-sized blanket if you're worried about like where I'm gonna I'm gonna. It's really light blanket, but if you're worried about size, like you maybe you're carrying it around, which I don't get why you would need a smaller blanket because it's so it's so lightweight. It's yeah. super lightweight. Not even more than a soup can. It's crazy. Yeah, we and keep one in the backseat of our car at all times I just in case. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. And I'm going to have to mimic that because it is, that's a brilliant idea. It's such lightweight. It's so, mo- it moves around. It's not very big at all. Uh, but if it's too big for you for whatever reason, they have a pocket size blanket. Yep. And it comes in multiple different colors. And it, it, it really is a great product and a great company. We love them being a sponsor of this show. Yep. And if you follow them on Instagram, which is uh, the great Oceus Outdoors, Man, do they take some beautiful shots? Yep. Some beautiful I, I, I sometimes I, I repost them on my stories just because I want people to see the beautiful. It's art, man. So they have a beautiful concept of what reality should look like, and they have a rea- a, a great grasp on reality of how it should function, and and that is comfortable and warm and dry. Yep, waterproof blankets. Thank you, Oceus, for being a sponsor. OceusOutdoors.com is where you can find them. Episode description is where o- you can find it. O-C-E-A-S. Oceus, thank you, Oceus. All right, Brandon, we are going to go way back, back in the time. Herodotus. We've gone further back than this. No, we have for sure. We've gone yeah, way, way back. Uh, but we're going to go all the way back to Herodotus um, yep. in the histories. It was a linear one in mm-hmm. circa 440 BC. Mm-hmm. Uh, referring to Homer's Odyssey mm-hmm. is often referred to as the first travel narrative. Brandon, take it away. Um, so the Odyssey is about a, a, a gentleman, Odysseus, on his ship. Um, and I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head because it's been a, a long time since I've read these stories. Uh, I've read the Iliad and I've read the Odyssey. Well, I've read most of the Odyssey. Um, hard book to finish. They're, they're very hard to read. But um, basically, it's their, his travels through uh, the mythological ancient Greek world. Um, but ne- the, the islands themselves weren't necessarily mythological, right? It was just the creatures um, that that he encountered with his, with his, uh, with his ship. Um and I believe it, it takes off after uh, the Iliad. That's actually where you get the the death of uh, Achilles. It doesn't happen in Iliad. People don't know that. He doesn't die in Iliad. He dies in the Odyssey. But Hector of, of Troy, Troy dies yep. in the Iliad. Uh, pa- Patroclus dies in the Iliad. And I believe uh, both of the Ajaxes die in the Iliad as well. Um, maybe doesn't, maybe the lesser is Helen. Does Helen of Troy die then too or no? Helen of Troy doesn't at all. She never dies. I thought she died with mm-hmm. uh, Hector. Mm-mm. Helen of Troy? You mean, uh, yeah, no, Helen of Troy never dies. And no, what's uh, No, what's Hector's... Hector's wife? Uh, Bo. Uh, I don't believe she dies either. No, it no? just Hector does. Because he fights uh, Achilles one-on-one. In the movie, they make it more of like a... Dramatic, because it has... Yeah, but it, in the in the book, it's more... I mean, like, there is... It's, it is pretty dramatic in the book, if you read it. It is, it is pretty dramatic. Yeah. Um, and they do meet up in, like, a battle and, like... But then, like, the movie... I, I really love the movie. They, they leave out a lot of details, like, important ones, but I really enjoyed it. Um, the book has a lot more gods in play. Like, there's a lot more talking about Athena and a... Uh, uh, 
um, and Aries and is talking a lot more about Zeus and, and Poseidon. Like there's a lot more God talk, um, which was really, really cool. And the same thing with Odyssey. It's a lot of God talking in it or God, God speaking, right? Cause there's a bunch of gods in there yeah. and they're influencing these humans. They're called heroes and, uh, their adventures against these monsters. Right. Um, and it's, it's really, really cool. So yeah, the Odyssey is really just about, uh, Odysseus's adventures and his ship. And that's a short version of it. I'd have to re-look it up and do some more research, but I would be more than willing to do that for this podcast. Like if Justin would give me so, some heads up, I would have re rehashed. No, I was, well, cause it's, it's not, I just, it was well, I would have rehashed just enough to kind of just be able to riff better yeah. and give better um, information, more, but, more right information. So, so the Odyssey, what's interesting, what, what's fascinating to me about the Odyssey is how we've, we've come to find the Odyssey because it's not like it's a book written around. Mm -hmm. It was found on these linear, um, tabs in Crete and yeah. well, they scrolls, had to, yes. well, yeah, and they had to decipher and, and like, I think what most of them are still have not been cracked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and deciphered. School Crete was buried. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know about this. I just read the stories. Like I was really fascinated in the yeah. myth mythos and then Justin kind of, or as Dan Cummins says, mythos. It was driving me crazy the whole episode. <laughs> it's like in the mythos, I was like, mm -mm. is it you more crazy than Miguel? No, it's about as much. <laughs> about as much you say miguel instead of miguel like like okay guys you gotta realize hold on hold on one second guys one second let's take a second and go on a tangent that we never do i know we never go on tangents that have nothing to do with that episode but i'm about to go on one right now um most spanish words are not pronounced that far from the way we pronounce in english if you can't make a sound or a sound i understand you get a pass not everybody can do it but everything else can be done it can be done. Like yeah, jalapeno, you say jalapeno. You don't have to say jalapenos. 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 Which actually bothers me less and less because I've been saying it ironically for years. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, like you get a complicated words. Yeah. There's some that like, like orange. Uh, I'm not talking about naranjas, which are also kind of hard to say. But I'm talking about arianjado, the color orange. Arianjado. I understand. It has both the hard things in there. You can say Arian Hado. I understand. Like, you have to do what you have to do. Everything <laughs> else, get your shit together. Get it all together. Put it in a backpack. I don't care what you do with it. Just get it together. Get your shit together, Justin. He's on his phone right now, guys. Come on. Yeah, you lost me. Yeah, because he can't pronounce it. He can't roll his R's. No, I can. Do it right now. Carranizada. <laughs> Carne asada. <laughs> those videos, Cardi. those were hilarious. Carne asada. Carne I'm glad you got it. Um, yeah. I'm glad you got the reference. Carne. Can you? You could say carne asada because it's like the like, uh, like uh the thing over there. Like you like do you like think like a valley girl. How she would say the. Okay, it's the same same thing. Carne asada. Asada. It's not like. Yeah. Um, but how we found the Odyssey in Homer, they're not even really sure. It's just accredited to Homer back to mom's meets. They pretty sure. Um, I'm pretty they're sure. They're pretty sure. They're pretty sure, but there's no, so even though this is referred to as the first travel narrative, there could have been more beforehand. Yeah. They just didn't survive. Yeah. And if you want to know, like as far as it, it really like travel narratives I, and I'm sure there were travel narratives have, have probably gone way back to, mm. if you go back to the roads episode and how far we went back there. A word of mouth was a lot of it. And then mm. Homer's Odyssey was like the first, as we're talking about in history, yeah. when you go further back, it's just like the most concrete one that we have right now. I would say uh, so. Would uh, say and, so. Then, and then we're going to travel forward 
all the way to 1300? Marco de Polo to the 1300s and the 13th century. Mm-hmm. Where's Marco um, Polo from again? Is he like a like the from England where they play like that crochet on the guys the horses backs? And his the, name's Marco. Is he from like Spain? Did he move over to England and play like horseback crochet? Okay, so everyone has probably heard the name Marco Polo as is they, it, they is played it like, the game. Are they like the the, um, the shirts with the, just like three buttons and then like <laughs> a collar? <laughs> And is a dude on a horseback playing crochet, holding the crochet hammer above his head is on the on the no the, the chest no area no. You got I guess there's also chonies. I think those are Ralph Lauren, anyways. They're called polos. The shirts. Polos. The shirts are. Polos. I just wanted to go back to the guy playing. I know polo on a <laughs> on a on a horse. Okay, so so if there's a guy on a horse playing polo, and that's on a shirt. And there, and that guy is on a horse playing crochet. What would you call that? I don't know. A guy playing polo with with a polo has a polo. Guy playing polo on it. You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Marco Polo. I'm sure you guys have heard the name Marco. It's the Marco the Polo. Um, you if you've watched uh, the movie, oh man, um, with the dog and the guy Sherman Up. and no, uh, the uh, Turner and Hooch. Sherman and Mr. Peabody, where they travel and they, they run into, and they run into Marco Polo. Uh, Marco Polo, you've also played the game, I'm sure, where you're in the pool. Guy lifts your eyes. Marco, somebody else, Polo. Underwater a, basket weaving. He's a real guy. So the travels of Marco Polo came about in the 1300s. The details from Polo and his brothers who traveled through Asia from 1271 to 1295. Um, Polo came by it honestly, though. So Marco's father and uncle, Nicolo and Mafio, Hold on. Nicolo and Matteo Polo. Yeah, thank you. Uh, They were Venetian merchants that would travel far and wide in order to sell their stock. Uh, Marco himself was also a merchant. Uh, They would just sell their and trade. They were Venetian merchants. They would trade things around the world uh, into China in all sorts of places. uh. If you're Italian, I I apologize for the the terrible Italian accent. (laughs) (laughs) One thing about Italians, they don't give a shit. Don't get a shit unless you're being like outright disrespectful about their culture and their food is delicious. <laughs> so thank you for pasta. How many Italians do you know from Italy? Um, like all of 170 million minus 170 million. Justin, God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bryson, Bryson, don't give him any more porters, please. As another to the porter, I worked all day. Yeah. I worked my ass off all day. It was actually a good work day, but I worked my ass off all day. Yeah. I earned the, I earned these beers and actually I'm not even drunk, not even a little bit, but I could be. You're tired and loopy. I'm tired and loopy. And yeah, yeah. You're like I was in that one episode. Yeah, off all of this all, is my turn. Off, off the rails. It's my turn. <laughs> okay. Um, Nicolo and Mafio. Nicolo and Polo and the Mafio Polo. Thank you. You're they, welcome. They like Marco were adventurous. Uh, their travels would take them all the way to China, um, a trek of seven thousand three hundred ninety kilometers, which is four thousand five hundred ninety-two miles, roughly. Uh, which you got to imagine most of it was either walked or on some sort of animal. That's a long fucking way to go. You know, um, it'd be also a longer way to go. What? I don't know. I was asking you. <laughs> Leading them through Middle East, Eastern Europe and Mongolia. Uh, most of this area was part of the Mongolian empire at the time. Beijing became the capital under the Kublai Khan rule in 1620. Kublai Khan. Is that like a Mortal Kombat character? Well, Kublai Khan is the great grandson of Genghis Khan. He's his most famous grandson. 
Um, is that a Mortal Kombat expert? Yeah. So Genghis so Khan dies in 1927. There was a period of peace, and then Kublai Khan takes over about 1960, somewhere, or 12, sorry. Genghis Khan dies in 1227. 1960. <laughs> so the Vietnam, go ahead. <laughs> During Vietnam, Kublai Khan was taking Brandon over. Brandon is throwing me off. So. <laughs> Genghis Khan dies in 1227. There's a period of peace there for a little bit in the Mongolian yeah, Empire. Yeah, and then Vietnam breaks out. And Kublai Khan's Kublai like, K- I ain't having this Americans on my soil, even though he's from <laughs> Mongolia. Kublai Khan <laughs> takes over as roughly 1260, uh, the 1250s, 1260s. Um, it goes without saying, but this trek was extremely dangerous and legend would say that they only survived, uh, because they gained the favor of Kublai Khan. They must've liked, um, they traded with him or they had something that he liked uh, and he allowed them to travel through Mongolia at the time. I Otherwise bet, they would for sure would have been I toast. Mafio e polo sucks a mean dick. That's Maybe. what it was. I mean, whatever they did, they survived the Mongolian Good for Empire. you, man. Yeah. Good for you. I mean, I'm not even making a joke. Desperate, like, desperate if, times if, come if got, And not even desperate. He might have enjoyed it. That might have been a good time. <laughs> no, I mean, if he enjoys it, even it better. It might have been a party. Yeah. might have been an opium party. Who even knows? Even better for him, yeah. Yeah, good for you guys. Um, Proud of you. <laughs> upon their return, they would instantly start that's preparing. Where, that's why the extra gay in the, in, the, in the Starbucks cups are so good. It's right there. It's just a good time. <laughs> Idiot. It's the, gay, uh, the extra gay that makes it good. I freaking miss Ralphie Mae, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah, Ralphie Mae is awesome. I'm not sorry for the joke because it's. I'm serious. The extra gay in the Starbucks. This is what makes it good. You don't put the extra gay in there. Then what are you doing at Starbucks? Come on. Okay. Uh, upon their return, they started to prepare almost instantly for a return trip into Asia. Uh, this time they planned on returning with Marco. Um, Marco. It's the Marco de Polo. Uh, Marco would make his trip a few times with his returning with his brothers there a few times, um, even with his love of travel and writing. Speaking of Italians, kicking and screaming. Let's talk about it. No. <laughs> I knew you were going to say no. Go ahead. I knew you were going to say no. Go ahead. Uh, even with his love of travel and writing, uh, Marco could not write his stories as he suffered from severe writer's block, uh, which I wouldn't know nothing What's about that. that? What's yeah. that, Justin? I just uh, been putting off a book I've been writing for three years. No, no big deal. <laughs> Constantly have ideas for it, but whenever I sit down behind the paper, I write yeah. nothing at all. So that's cool. Well, that's kind of what happened. So him and his brothers would go around telling stories. A lot of people didn't believe him. There's like... Um, there was a, a tale uh, that if people didn't believe them. Then they like, they showed them something crazy from Asia and then they're like, suck it people. They showed it. They, they brought an Asian dude and they showed them his pee pee. Mm, they're like, been. they are tiny. I don't know if that's true guys. I haven't, I haven't looked at enough naked Asian men, but if that's true, I'm sorry. But if it's not true, then let people believe that. That's cool. Cause then you surprise women. You'd be like, like, yeah, it's totally tiny. Believe that. And then you whip it out and they're like, Oh, that's small. Are you kidding me? That's nine feet. How is that small? Sorry, I'm, I'm loopy, guys. Just Nine go ahead, Justin. <laughs> you went with feet. <laughs> I was going to say nine inches, but I was like, yeah, that's that's really big, but you want to be ridiculous here, Brandon. And that had to happen <laughs> in like point zero 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 one nine second feet. of a span. That's when that happened. Okay. Um, nine foot. Is <laughs> a fine penis. nine foot cock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so so Marco and his brothers were going around town telling people, but whenever it took time for him to sit down and actually write it, uh. Could not get anywhere. That happens. Um, Fate, however, would kind of step in. His stories were almost lost to history again until fate would intervene. During a naval battle in 1298. Is that where you guys push your belly buttons together and you uh, you go, (laughs) Dude. (laughs) I challenged Dan to get through an episode with Brandon. (laughs) He would be losing it. Me and him would be fucking joking back and forth the whole time. I don't know if he'd get through an episode. I don't Um, (laughs) During a naval battle, which After is on the a while, sea, he'd be like, "Dude, ships, okay, we like really got to get yeah. this information." Uh, this and like the navy, 
uh, on ships in war. During a naval battle in 1298 in Genoa, Italy, Marco was caught and imprisoned. His cellmate, a fellow writer, Rusticello da Pisa. You didn't say that one. I, I'm, I'm not even caught up. I don't even know where we're at. Um, his cellmate. Oh, there it is. I see it. A fellow writer, Rusticello da Pisa. Uh, together, they would write four books. Uh, the first one being Travels to China through Middle East and Central Asia. The second one being China with a focus on the courts of Kublai Khan. Uh, the third one being a focus on the coastal regions, i.e. Africa, Sri Lanka, Japan, Eastern Asia. And the final one being on Russia and the Mongols. I thought there'd be a lot more Italian in there, to be honest, in the titles. But there's not even a little bit. No, because he'd like to travel through. Yeah, no, I get it. But like in the, the naming, yeah. though, I thought there'd be more like like yeah. more Italian words. I, I'm sure they were the names were Italian, oh. but I didn't see the translations for them. Okay. Although these books were more adventure stories than guides, there are part of the books that would suggest that Marco was trying to show future merchants a path to the Orient. His book would inspire fellow Italian traveler Christopher Columbus to find a new path to the Orient. Sounds weird saying his name like that. And Christopher Columbus, yeah. Side note, 14th century explorer, Iban Butuatu. Batutu. Batutu. Batuta. Ubuntu. Batutu. Traveled three times so, as far as Polo around Africa and Asian China. His so, book, Rila, The Journey, was relatively unknown in the Western world, however, and his legend never reached the heights of Polo. Go ahead, Justin. Um, in an episode in the past, we talked about Ibn Battuta. I, I I remember researching him quite a bit. Like his story yeah. is actually pretty damn fascinating. Yeah, and I Ibana Batuti for the it. life of me could not find what episode that was in. Yeah, I don't remember ever talking about him ever in the history I of my life. I spent a good amount of time looking through our episodes to find him. So maybe it was like maybe it was for school, not for the episodes, but. Even Patuta, he's worth looking up in his life. He a very, very interesting character in the history of the world. Um, and, and he's, again, his his books may have been better than Marco Polo, but because Marco Polo was Italian in the Western world in Europe and uh, Batuta was in the Middle East and in India, he didn't get the recognition or the world so fame. So you're saying because Polo had lighter skin and he yep. even yep. had darker exactly. skin. Yep. All right. I'll put some respect on your name. 100%. Iban Batuta. Yep. Um, it's actually a badass name. It Anyways. is kind of a cool name. Uh, moving forward to the 17th and 18th century. It sounds like he's a warlord. He's be like, he's going to I am Iban Batuta. I will fucking rip your goddamn head off. Anyways, I don't know why he became French. It's less menacing when you're holding that little dog. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Ali Doggo. He's a little love dog right here. Yeah. Okay. Um, 17th, 18th century writers, uh, Lawrence Stern, a sentimental journey through France and Italy was released in 1768 and Tristam Shandy's grand tour of Europe released in 1768. Uh, Tristam would start the movement back to autobiograph grand tour of Europe autobiographies as guides, um, similar to what they were doing in the 1200s, right in the 13th century. Mm -hmm. So 400 years ago, later, the like, Tristam like Shandy. Polo. But like Polo, however, they were more stories, not guides, in the way yeah. we see them today. Uh, which leads us to this boss bitch here. Marina Stark! The great, great grandmother of Howard Stark, shortly <laughs> showing Howard the proper way to build maps so that Howard could guide Tony in with... <laughs> 
with one in Iron Man 2 and save his damn life. Marina is a fucking hero, avenging bitches since the ni- 1790s. Marina would write the first set of actual guidebooks and would set the world. Oh, this actually goes to information here. <laughs> I didn't know. He had just a lot that I just picked up. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mariana Stark, she really is a boss bitch. Like, this this chick was, was, was awesome. So, to get the guidebooks we have today, they don't exist without by the Mariana way Stark. it's s-t-a-r-k-e not yeah, s-t-a-r-k yeah, yeah. yeah i just want I, yeah. I, I didn't i noticed right away i thought it might be stark it might be starky i went with stark because <laughs> i figured you would have a an iron man reference to go with it you didn't disappoint but you then you did disappoint by fucking it up like i usually do because you got overexcited like i usually do yeah. that's my thing find your own lane justin <laughs> <laughs> okay, <clears throat> I'm gonna try that again. Uh, which is just this boss bitch here. Mariana Stark, great great grandmother of Howard Stark, showing Howard the proper way to build maps so that Howard could guide Tony with one in Iron Man 2, save his damn life. Mariana's a fucking hero, avenging bitches in 1790s. Say it with your chest! That was a little loud. That hurt my ears a little bit. Sorry, a little guys. aggressive. Okay, Mariana, though, she <laughs> does not get the credit she deserves when it comes to guidebooks. Yeah, because she's a woman in the 1700s, Justin. Exactly. Get your shit together. Uh, Mariana would write the first set of actual guidebooks. Women and didn't s- learn how to be actual people until the night. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not true. It wasn't for women for the longest time. Men wouldn't even be alive. Um, a lot of the accomplishments no. throughout history. No. <laughs> no, come on. Come on. It was right there. Come on. A lot of accomplishments throughout history that were attributed to men were actually women done by women. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so hopefully we like having like the sweetest rack. Definitely a buck. So Mariana would elk bucks would elk. write the first set of actual guidebooks and okay. would set All the right. world on a path to the books. Thought it was a sexual joke, but it was actually a joke today. about animals that live in the forest. Majestic forest horses with horns on their heads. Anyways, she lived a fascinating life, uh, born to a born in a well-to-do family. She spent her life rewriting the narrative of her life that she was "quote unquote" supposed to live. Uh, she believed to she was believed to write many books under a pseudonym because she was a woman, and they, they couldn't. Um, I pronounce. I, I believe it's pronounced Pseudonym. <laughs> pseudonym. <laughs> uh, the book "Theater of Education" by Stephanie Felicide de Glinis. Thank you. Uh, was published anonymously in 1787. Can I, can um, I try that one more time? Yep. Stephanie Felicity de Guinilis. It is a difficult one. You did pretty good. Thank you. Uh, it was published anonymously in 1787. Being as she was 25 at the time, it's hard to believe that that was her first time doing that, publishing things anonymously. Yeah. A woman can uh, do something even at the age of 25 that's remarkable, Justin. Get your shit together, you sexist pig. No, what I was actually saying was that she probably had more than a few books published anonymously before this one uh, because she was a woman. She had to, to post it anonymously to kind of cover up how much of a boss bitch she was. But in 1789, she published her first play anonymously as well. But in 1790, that's so shitty that they, even it was a thing, but check this out. God, I hate that. In 1790, she wore tired of the ignorance and wrote her next play, the British orphan. Not only did she put her name on the play, she starred in it dressed as a man because of fuck those ignorant pricks of that day. Fuck them. You say it with your chest, little ass lady. So, Hell yeah. You know what's going to piss you off? I'm sure she was small because she was a lady from the 1800s. They're all small. If, if, you, if you look up this this play in this lady, in, uh, in Marina Stark, um, when this play came out, there was the wife of a 
because it was done privately first before they, they release it. There was the wife of the, the guy that judges the place. She was the one that threw a stink and like was appalled and wrote a large skating thing that got it unpublished. So it was the wife, not even the husband. Yeah, I know a lot of a lot of what holds women back are other women. Yep. It's very sad. Yeah. No, hey, was, ladies, <laughs> lady listeners, I am positive you are not these ladies. Yeah. Um, you're not listening to this podcast if you're a lady listener who is uh, uh, likes to shit on people becoming more because that's not what this podcast is about at all. Nope. But if you have that lady in your life that just kind of seems to get in your way or just be shitty to you, I don't care who it is. Kick them. I really don't. No, just kick them out. Kick them out of your life. Kick Get rid of the them. Curb. Yep. Yeah. Get them out. Deuces. Just, just don't fuck with them anymore. And same thing with dudes with ladies in your life, or dudes with other dudes, or just anyone. no, no, just the ladies. Just kick from the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> anyone no, stands in your way. Seriously, from anybody that that just shits on you, or just kind of holds you back, or just makes you feel shitty about trying to be better, even if you are setting your bar too high. It's okay to set your bar high. I a super cheesy old saying. Super cheesy. Aim for the moon, because even if you miss it, you'll still still land among the stars, dude. That means just set your bar ridiculously high, because even if you don't hit your mark, you're still gonna be way further in life than you were before you started that journey. If you if you do decide to watch Mythic Quest in season two, quit, quit bringing it up. I'm not gonna watch it. For the listeners, in, <laughs> okay. season, in okay. season two... I'll plug my ears. In season two, there is a, one of the, the testers has an idea, and Rob McElhinney and the other uh, uh, creative head shit on them. And then they try to give up, and they turn around and they shit on them for trying to give up. They're like, you think that us saying no means fucking anything? We have nothing to do with how successful you are. Nobody does. You have everything to do with how successful you are. And that's the way it is. You People are going to tell you no. People are going to laugh at you, make fun of you, whatever the fuck. Fuck them. You either believe it or you don't believe it. It doesn't matter at the end of the day. Uh, Anyways, Mariana was a boss bitch. I, I do like that message. I was actually listening, guys. Yep. When I said I plugged my ears, I literally just put my my fingers on the either end of my headphones. It didn't block anything out. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but Mariana Stark believed this message, and she was a boss bitch. Mm. So she got her play, her, her play published. so she went out and did another one. Her next play, Widows of Malabar, was a smashing success. She said, fuck you guys, eat And this. I bet she was smashing, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and if she, I, maybe she didn't like ween. She likes lady weens, but good for her. Yep. Uh, check out or this. both. Check out this boss move, okay? Bar both. Good so, for her. So the French Revolution took place from 1789 to 1799, right? So shortly after her plays came out, mm. or shortly before the plays came out, the French mm-hmm. Revolution kicked off. If you know anything about the French Revolution, it was like um, notably gruesome and rough for the people of France and Italy because Italy was a... Uh, wait. Wait. The French Revolution... Revolution. Was brutal? Yes. For those the France Revolution was brutal? It wasn't just brutal in French. So in you got like... You like think like people were like getting their head cut off and stuff, huh? That's what you think, huh? Yeah, that's what happened. Really? Oh my God. Let them eat cake. Yeah, um, no, I know. I it actually a lot of areas more than just Italy. It it it. It was whoever was in align, alignment with the French bureaucracy. Yes, and and you, if you fire. were in reach of those uh, of the Ruvalish revolutionaries, yeah, you were f u c k e d fucked. Yep. Um, a lot of Mariana. Heads Mariana and her family happened to live in one of those towns. Um, the revolution actually helped start actually kick off her adventure, though. As in 1792, Mariana helped her family get out of Nice, or uh, I think it's Nice, how you pronounce it, Italy. 
before the city was bombarded. Uh, she knew it was going to come, so she had to get her family out of it. This would be a part of her letters to from Italy, published probably, in 1800. It, if it's Italian, then it's probably Nice. They don't. They don't. They don't. I think it's pronounced Nice, though. I bet it's probably Nice because nice they they do the, they have the A sound on the E's. Yep. Uh, so, so maybe they don't have the, they don't have a little above the E, so maybe not. But as she gets out of there, she would put in her letters to Italy, and then she would start to gather uh, information from in her travels through Italy because she's constantly on the run for her family from 1792 to 1798. Again, right up to the end of the revolution or at least the tail end of the revolution. And then she would put them all into a travel book that she would publish in 1802. Mariano would start listing items needed for travel, mosquito net, traveling lock or traveling lock, chamber lock, pistols, pocket knives to eat and a medicine chest because she's a freaking boss bitch. Uh, Mariana would begin her new passion of travel after the night in Nice, and like before, she used her writing to blaze a path forward. Mariana would recognize the cost of travel and thus list advice on luggage, obtaining passports, cost of food, and where to find the cost of accommodations in each city. Mariana would also provide advice on traveling with um, a, it says invalid family member, invalid seems rough, somebody that is uh more a physically challenged family member. Well, invalid, it just means that somebody who can't take care of themselves. Yep. It, uh, it's become a, more of like a contentious word, I guess. Yeah. As of later, but it originally just meant somebody who couldn't take care of themselves. Somebody who wasn't completely yep. autonomous. So she would, she would, she's the first one to take her travels and then provide a actual guide for people. Not just a, I went here, 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 you can follow this path. No, it was, it's like, you if can you stay go here, here, take this with you, make yeah. sure you have this with you. This place is good. This place has this price. If you can't afford this, you can also go here. The men are here <clears throat> ugly, bring your own toy, like that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, even with male readers being critical of her, surprise, um, for no reason other than she was she was a woman and she was better than no, all of them. That's exactly what it is. Uh, Mariana would blaze a trail for ga- uh, guidebooks moving forward. Her publisher, John Murray, would take up her mantle when <laughs> was she was done. Was that Bill Murray's dad? Uh, no, it was his great-great-great-great-grandfather's mm, cousin. Because he's an awesome dude. Yeah. Um, he would take over her mantle whenever she was done. Murray, in conjunction with Carl Batker, would set up guidebooks here to stay. And John Murray was her publisher. He's the one that... that John Murray the third. That's what we'll talk about next. Do you want to take over the John Murray section? In, um, and just make sure I'm in the right spot. 1836? Yep, I was in the right spot. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> uh, in 1836, Murray would take what he had learned from Stark and publish Handbook for Travelers on the Continent. This would start one of the world's first guidebook series and provide a prototype for guidebooks moving forward. Something that Carl Baydecker would expand upon. Like, whoops, you know? Without without Murray, without Carl Baydicker would have nothing. Uh, well, we'll touch on that here in a second. Following in Stark's footsteps, Murray would include into inti- itineraries. Itineraries. I knew that word. <laughs> Sightseeing spots and in listings. I've heard that word my whole life. Never seen it written out. No, no. Um, <laughs> like no one writes itinerary on their itineraries. Yes, I've seen. Oh, that's what happens. Multiple huh? cases written. Mm, maybe I just ignore that part. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I in too many letters. All right. <laughs> like Baydicker. Hold on, sorry. My there he goes. Who would publish? Who who would publishing in Germany at the same time? Murray was meticulous and demanded a high standard for his writers and researchers. Good for him. 
So before we move from Murray to, to Baddeker, who was writing at the same oh, is, time. Is Baddeker, not Baddeker? I, I don't. It's one mm, of those. That's two. why he never corrected me. Got you. Um, you're going to see some of Murray be talked about in Baddeker. Let's get to the FDSOJ, and then we'll dive into Baddeker. Okay, mm, got it. Let me open up that file. Let's take a sabbatical before we go to Baddeker. I thought that would write That better. was awful. I thought it would write That was better. so bad. Let's get out of here. <laughs> Are you ready to go? Uh, um, I haven't figured out because you don't have anything. Okay, so shit. Um, <laughs> the first edition original print, nineteen ninety nine, the year released, often of of Pokemon original print Pokemon guidebook would go as much as twenty to thirty bucks nowadays. The first magic guidebook, like how to do magic guidebook, was uh, written by Reginald Scott. Um, the discovery of witchcraft. That was the first. That was the first ever magical book. In 2018, a guidebook was published called Dismemberment, and it describes all the aspect of dismemberment, including but not limited to tools to use, why and how to use said tools. For sure, gonna need you to read those again at the end of the episode. Yeah, for sure. I kind of messed them up. I, I I was very, 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 very tired. I was at the end of my night. I was just got out of work. I freaking was running around town all day with getting the kid, or not all day, but the, those like hour out of hour. I get work. it. Had to I drop a coworker it. off, yep. go pick up the shark. I was trying to get food, but then I had to go over to the store, and then I went to the store to go get the food, and then I had to go get the switch vehicles. My wife, so I can get a car seat for the kid, and then I went all the way from there to, to here. To I Justin told you I would write it whenever you came over here too. And then I went. I just wanted to. I wanted to. I knew this would be a good one to pick it on because I can do whatever I want with it. Okay. Um, and then, and then I ran, and then I got home, and then I fed the kids, bathed the kids, dressed the kids, put their little stinker butts to bed, mm-hmm. took a shower myself. I'm still filthy. Took a shower myself. Okay, got myself together, talked to my wife for a little bit, and then I did this, and I didn't realize how poorly I wrote it out. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so let me let me go ahead and talk while I kind of fix this, so that way when we get to this part, I'll be more ready. Yep, so we're going to dive into Carl Bedecker, father of modern travel, is what he's known as. Uh, Carl was f- found... <laughs> Carl founded Mm -hmm. the famous Baddeker House in 1827. Carl's father and grandfather had been booksellers and publishers before him, and no doubt would set up Carl to become a writer later in his future as he would take over the the family publishing and uh, bookstore. Um, With the rise of popularity in Mariana's travel guides in the early 1800s, it is likely that Carl would read at least a few of those books as well. We know that he would read some of Murray's books moving forward. Um, with the rise in popularity of, um, I'm sorry, mixed, if you mix Mariana's Travel Guide's popularity with the invention of the first passenger steamboat in 1827, um, travelers can travel between, on the Rene, between Cologne and Mainz. Um, Cologne and Mainz? Which Cologne, France, and Mainz in Germany. Uh, Cologne and probably France. France. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they could travel and adventure. Travel and adventure um, would become available to a much larger group of people as it became a little easier. So uh, the popularity just continued to rise, and, uh, and the need for guidebooks grew. Von Mens de Biscolon. Yeah, uh, Carl himself would not become a traveler initially, but would piggyback off the writing of another one uh, in 1828. Rince von Mans 
Biscon. It's German, but we, we wouldn't wait French on it. I know. I was the only way I can pronounce that. Uh, it is basically... It's basically traveling the Rene from Mainz to Cologne. I can't German accent. I have, don't have one in my repertoire. Yep. It's basically just traveling like, traveling the Rene, which is a yeah, the river. It's very good. You like the Schindler-Rosenenden? That was not German at all. I know that was the German. You like the German? It wasn't German at all. I'm too tired. I'm trying to think of how it actually sounds. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, that was the Rene. If you don't know, is one of the largest rivers in the world. It runs through most of Europe. Uh, the steamboats would travel that river from Germany to France, and that's what this book was telling you. It was a, it was a travel guide through that, written by Klein. Doesn't have any other name, just Klein. I can't do a German accent, you guys. Um, it was written by Klein and published by him. A few years later, Baddeker would inherit this guide with the pur- purchase of the firm Rolling, which... That was you. Yes. Okay. Which owned Klein's book. So Owned it! <laughs> so Baddeker bought it and then republished it a few years later in his Damn. own name. Uh, in 1832, in his own name. That's yeah. fucked. In, ba- in, 18 thir- in 1832, Baddeker reissued the guide as the first book, Reinze von Mans Biscon. I'm not going to try that again. Yeah, we did terribly, and I did terribly again. Uh, again... Traveling the Rhine between the Rhine, I, yeah, no, no, from no. from Mainz to Cologne. Uh, Baddeker wouldn't just uh, rip off Klein, who had passed. However, as he added a lot of aspects to the book that he thought travelers would find useful, uh, this especially included a comprehensive map. Baddeker added routes, transports, combinations, restaurants, tipping sites, walks, and prices. Uh, he, Baddeker, that was really where he took the reins. Is he took their guidebooks and then just made them better. That's uh, not especially a terrible his maps. thing. Yeah. Uh, a lot of Badker's ideas came from reading the books of John Murray III. We talked about him just a second ago. Badker did this because he noticed that many of his customers would come in looking for Murray's guides in his store. Like Murray, Badker would introduce a star system when it came to rating the Names hotels and restaurants. Uh, he called his books handbooks, similar to Murray, and he gave them a red cover. So if you found a red cover, if you find a guidebook with a red cover, it goes for quite a bit of money. There are like highly sought after collectors. Really? Yes. So if I ever go to like an antique store or like a like a bookstore like a mom and pop red leather and, I see red, and yep. it's like twenty bucks if it says Murray or Badger on it yes buy that shit right then yes there. yep twenty bucks it'd be like oh, you know what I could use this yeah, I'll buy it yep. and then be like go to online oh this is worth eighteen thousand dollars yeah it's probably got eighteen but hundred bucks probably more accurate no I, they're they're worth I, a pretty I, I'm a card collector so collector. I, I I could probably imagine. That they're probably by like eighteen twenty one. There's not bucks. a lot of them found, so they're they're a little more than that. Oh, really? Uh, in in eighteen thirty five, Badker. There's not a lot of edition, or there's not a lot of prints. Then yeah, yeah. it might be worth like twenty thousand. Well, they didn't they didn't make a whole lot for the time because it just wasn't. Yeah, they it, they couldn't the, at the time. The problem with collecting, selling collect collection items is finding people who want to buy them. Yeah, you have and to find so the something like that. You're you're gonna have you're gonna you're something you want to put up. Um, just, I wouldn't even put a price on People it. People would buy these. I, I would, I would say not put a price on it, put it up and then just keep re-putting it up, re putting it, yep. put it up until somebody who actually knows what it's worth contacts you and says, Hey, I'm a collector of these. I want this book. And then you say, I know it's between this price and this price. What are you willing to pay for it? And if you guys can settle then on a good price that you both can agree on, because you should do your research and know how much it's worth. Yeah. Always you will sell, have you should done always do research. Yeah. It's research. He will for sure, he or she will for sure done their research. So they're looking for something like this. Yep. 
that way you you make the most amount of money and you don't feel like you're fucking somebody over in the process. You know, you don't want to do that because then if you run into something else and and they they also want that item, or they they could even leave you a good review, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, so so you definitely want to leave a good taste in a person's mouth whenever you do trades or sells. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Anyways. Anyways back to back to this. So in 1835, Becker would issue a revised edition. Bedmaker and in 1839, he. Bought out a comprehensively revised and augmented edition, which was nothing like the original Klein version. So, so he bought Klein's. He added some things to it, reissued he made it, it. He made it a new edition, and then he, he revised it again. Cool it down. And then somebody Ooh, took that and completely control. changed it. Badker liked it, took it, revised it again, and then reissued it. You better slow it now. Ooh, watch, watch out. out! New edition. You're gonna fall in love. Okay, somewhere in this time frame, Badker began to travel himself. Cannot find an exact year on this, but he would meticulously search for travel details through his books. And if he could not find the answers, then he would travel to go get those answers. Um, he did not like to leave any stone unturned. Like this guy was like, super, I mean, at least this yeah. guy was super meticulous. Yep, him if, and if Murray. not anything else. So Murray was in in France and in more of Europe, right? And then he was Western Europe where. Batker had the German market kind of Hold covered. Hold on, foul on the play. There's a there's a dog chasing his tail. Dog chasing his tail. <laughs> there is a dog chasing his tail. Uh, he would travel from Holland and Belgium and then to Switzerland uh, in 1844. Switzerland. Swiss? You're going all the way to Switzerland, huh? In 1844. Is that a better German accent? No. In 1844, Swiss was published, again, Switzerland. And this Someone who doesn't know is going to be like, that's actually pretty good, Brandon. But then, like somebody who does know, something you're bad. gonna listen to it's it. So bad. You're gonna listen to it on set, uh, when this comes out, and you're gonna text me and be like, "Yeah, it's bad." I'm gonna listen to it. I was a perfect German accent. I'm gonna say to myself, "That was terrible." Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he it was published, and this would make Boddicker's name uh, the Swiss, the Switzerland book in 1844. It was a virtual translation of John Murray's uh, John Murray the Third's 1838 Handbook of Travelers in Switzerland. So he just kind of repurposed it in German. Um, Did he go over the Germans who were like six years later? Your mother was no, grandmother was nothing but a common pavilion. Huh. What's the English word for it? <laughs> so what's funny about this? So in 1838, John Murray puts out the book on Switzerland, right? In 1844, six years later, Botker puts out the exact same book translated to German. Botker's edition would get 39 revisions edited through 1937. A La Suisse, the French translation, would appear 1852 until 1928 with Botker getting the credit for it. And then an English translation <laughs> of Switzerland appeared in 1863, 30, almost 30 years after John Murray's edition. It's the exact same thing as John Murray's, but it says Badker on it, not Murray. Exact same thing. Uh, and then that would run until Badker's death. Until about 1838. Tell, he tells him that he's not good enough. He was he wants he wants his book for himself. No, what happened basically was that uh, that was better. That was a little better. I could tell. Uh, what happened basically was was Badker. Well, obviously Murray and Badker reached the end of their life. Right, they reached the end of their line. Murray's family just kind of let things dissolve and they just went away. Mm. Badker's family kept it running. And Badker was more intense as far as like pushing out books. He was more about the sale, whereas Murray was more about the writing and the making. And Badker was a better he. And Badker studied what people wanted, and thus made his books more popular. Uh, it's like what people do all the time now. Yep. So so Badker hmm. really freaking kind of he spanked. figured out a market. 
Yep. And he kind of spanked Murray's ass in that regard. And then, which is why Badker's no oh, more. Would you than like a Murray. spanking, huh? Like a spanking on your little bottom? So, Ryan was the Baker, River was ba- was, would was, be Badker's first English published book in was 1861. Was German or am I just. He's German. Okay, okay. Well, at least I'm <laughs> Badker was great at turning a good idea into a better one. And is someone who will no doubt we will revisit if we do an episode on maps because um, his maps were like the big part of his selling book of his books because oh. his maps were so detailed. I uh, try to put a map uh, from right. your mouth to your <laughs> anus, huh? Give you good spanking. Yeah. I apologize to all of you. You, you know you want this good spanking, don't you? It's good and tug. In order to make his maps, he would hire cartographer. Oh, one second. What I love most is that I'm being ridiculous and Justin's just trying to barrel past it, but I'm just tr- I'm just bulldozing the poor guy. <laughs> it's like I'm trying to give him a good show, and then I'm like, "No, why would you want to do that? We can have a sexy times. Would you like mustache ride?" In order to make his maps, <laughs> he would hire cartographer Wagner of oh, Wagner, yeah, Donstadt. I've been there many times. No, you haven't. Uh, Wagner yeah, would die at age but fifty-seven. Badger has. Badger would die at age fifty-seven in eighteen fifty-nine, believed to be caused by overwork. Uh, Did Badger have a bad heart? And like I mentioned, while Murray's handbooks would be sold off in nineteen hundred, yeah. Carl's son Fritz would take over his father's work, and Badger books would continue to thrive on through yeah. the early nineteen hundreds. It's Carl's child Fritz because I know we've been switching in and out yep. between different languages kind of so it's not Carl's von Fritz it's Carl's son S-O-N Fritz Fritz just yep. Carl Badker because when it just said it he said it right but even my head was like wait but no it's his child Go so ahead. this is this is how the Badker line ends and this was super this is this is one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast and I love this during this World is War one II, of the reasons you wanted to start this podcast to find like subtle things in history oh, that are so weird that I no one talks like, about. I want to hear to. about Nazis, and that's I wanted to study exclusively Nazis. That's the reason I wanted. To. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, I wanted I wanted to give a little foreshadow without giving away anything. Go ahead. Okay, so during World War II, obviously there was Nazis there. Um, the Nazis used Badker's 1937 Great Britain Guide to Great Britain Guide from Badger <laughs> to pinpoint monuments in historical British cities for devastating bomb attacks. Uh, these attacks would be known as the Badger raids carried out in retaliation for the British bombing of Lubbock in March, 1942. Uh, the Nazis would also hit Exeter and York shortly thereafter. However, the idea of bombing all of these historical areas would soon fail as the British Royal Air Force became stronger, were able to fly more at night. They started shooting down bombers during the night, forcing the Nazis to change their ideas. And in 1943, the Brits would bomb Badker's publishing house in Leipzig. <laughs> that Damn. would be the end of the Badker line. Damn. Ended everything, huh? <laughs> yeah. Because the so, Nazis used his guidebooks, the yeah. Brits bombed his freaking publishing house. I mean, fuck you. That's what they're saying. <laughs> um, so, a couple things. I wanted to interrupt you and go, wait, there was Nazis in World War II? So bad, but I was like, I've been kind of doing this all episode. I probably should have <laughs> let it go at least this once. Um, two, um, it's funny. Um, they they talked to some of the, the German uh, soldiers, the Nazis. Well, And you got to imagine, something that a big misnomer is not all Germans... Uh, that that fought for the Nazis knew all of the terrible shit that they were doing. They were just following orders. They were soldiers. Um, the second thing 
is is that you have to realize is that um, because of this, they were sub- like they were t- they kind of had this information about the uh, the aerial race, and they go to England, and that's what they're doing. That's what that's who they're fighting is blonde hair, blue eyed people. So it's just a little funny thing that was happening then. Like they're 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 talking to these old uh, Nazi uh, you know soldiers, and they're like, yeah, I don't know how to feel because I've been told that we're not supposed to be killing these people and we're over here doing air raids in London routinely and that's exactly who we're air fighting is blonde hair blue eyed people yep. so what's the point sorry guys if you hear a change in sound too during that one hot piece of ass just walked in here God damn and distracted me greatly <sighs> ow did you be so vulgar God, you're disgusting. My beautiful wife had to come into the room. Well, hello, Gabriella. Would would you like to bless our audience with a a quick hello? Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, she doesn't love you guys like I do. Um, Uh, Yeah, yeah, she's looking for for some blue balloons. Is that what you said, baby? She wants some blue balloons or she'll die. She wants some blue balloons or she will die. Yeah, very distracting for me. So I'm going to try to get back on point. Um, so going from um, Nazis so, to something that's racist. So, so away from the red books into... The books. G- give me one second for pause, Justin. Sorry. You never let me pause for effect. You never let me... You know what? You know what? This Since whole episode... <laughs> You, you earned our that whole life <laughs> <laughs> since the day I was conceived. You earned that since one since our mother Jism and our and our father <laughs> and conceived me. You have been interrupting me when I'm trying to pause Bullshit. for effect. Effect, you dumb beach. Nope. It's it's a fa- it's effect. Nope. Cause an effect. Just wanted to disagree with you. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry, I I was looking at to see what balloons that uh, my sister in law, my lovely sister in law, had pulled out, and uh, my headphone hit the mic. So that's yep. what that was. That sweet beautiful lady over there. That's the only part we could agree Ooh, on. Oliver is yelling. She's yelling at Oliver for trying to eat the. Also balloons. agree on that. Yep. Um, <laughs> so so going from Nazis to something that is also super racist, uh, the Deep South. Justin's face and boom. America during the 1940s. Um, so America the wasn't books, racist in the 1940s. Part of America was racist during the 1940s. Most of America was racist during the 1940s. <laughs> a chunk, a large chunk, a half. No, a lot more than half. <laughs> Okay, anyways, Victor Hugo Green. No, it was bad. It was a bad time. It was uh, a bad time was, to be black or Mexican or just brown. Yep. This was just the outro written. Having pigment in your skin was not good. This was the outro written. even rednecks were like shit. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> you see what I mean? You earned that one earlier. Earned. Anyways. What one? Anyways. Anyways. Outro. From the 1948 edition of the Green Books. Do you guys know where any ways comes from? It's Nacho Libre. Yeah. Um, this is the outro from the 1948 edition of the Green Books. There will be a day sometime in the near future when this guide will no, will not have to be published. That when we as a race will have equal opportunity and privilege in the United States, it will be a great day for us to suspend this publication, for then we can go wherever we please with embarrassment. 
or without so, embarrassment without embarrassment so I'm, I'm gonna read this next part because i'm at least a little darker in color than you okay. i want i want to hold on go ahead the the, the, the part of, of that that stood out to me the most uh-huh. is the we can go wherever we please and without embarrassment like how shitty horrifyingly sad how is shitty. that how serious did i get whenever you started reading that though like that was that because that's real. That's pain behind that writing. Yeah, without embarrassment. That's, that's what got me when I was reading it. I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's yeah, the that's part that pain." Hits me. Yeah, that, that that's in that. Yeah. See, that's sadly enough, and and not for the reasons that are more on the nose of of me as a jokester. Um, I that's kind of what interests me in history is the people who are hurt that were still and, and in pain and deep pain who are still able to get their voices through. Because history is written by the victors, right? So not often do you get writing that is full of hurt and pain like this that makes its way through to modern day. Yep. So, so that Hugo stuff Green, is what keeps me in reading. Victor Hugo Green was a fucking hero. I don't Dude, care what I love that. That was a beautiful piece. Can I, can I read it once? Go for it. Okay. There will be a day sometime in the near future when this guide will not have to be published. That when we as a race will have equal opportunities and privileges in the United States, it will be a great day for us to spend this publication for when we can go anywhere we please and without embarrassment. How sad is he hoping for a future where he may possibly have a chance of being a normal everyday person that can just breathe? The sad thing about it is, with, without, Fuck. without he had nothing to be embarrassed about. The nothing. people that acted like freaking, I bet he was animals. a good-looking dude too. Uh, I bet he was, I, I I bet he was a handsome man. I wonder if we, I'm sure we can look him up. I bet he was a handsome man. I bet he was hanging some schlong. I bet I, I'm just to say, I bet the boy's packing. <laughs> <laughs> that's why my wife gives you a. I know. a <laughs> that's why I said it. Actually, that's not why I said it. <laughs> I'm going Shake it. Shake it. Bye, Gabriella. Love you. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, Green uh, was a postal carrier in Harlem. Man, man, was a postman. You Mr. Postman, so he might be some of y'all's granddaddy, great granddaddy. Um, <laughs> postman. <laughs> so this is a picture of him when he's older. He's a good-looking old man. He's a handsome man. He's a good-looking old man. man. Great bone structure. Yep. Charismatic. You can tell he's very charismatic. I bet he'd be, he'd be dropping. He'd be dropping mm-hmm. some loads. Uh, when he'd be laying some of that pipe, you know what I'm saying? So uh, Jay, maybe Green, his wife was a pretty remarkable woman as well. So uh, maybe he was he was all up in that. He maybe he did have a few dropping some loads. Maybe it was just with one individual though. Remarkable I didn't say, individual. Hey. Okay. We're going. Green was a postal carrier in Harlem when he thought of the idea of the Negro Motorist Green Book. Uh, first being published in 1960 or 1936, sorry. The first edition only covered hotels and restaurants in the New York area. But word got out. And when word got out, fellow postal carriers began to send Green more information on their areas to be included in his And books. that's when community is working with community, son. Mm-hmm. No, that's amazing. God, that's like the awesome. Green, the green I books, love that shit. The Green Books for how sad it is that it was needed is a very very it's a it's a story well usually There's a documentary when, when when something very sad happens something great comes about it you need that yeah you need that I, I wanted to include so much more in the green books but i didn't want to get bogged down there is a documentary called the green book guide to freedom right. it's on paramount right. plus it used Ooh. to be on netflix you can rent it on youtube and stuff like that too mm. um 
It is very, very well it. done. I'll, um, I probably won't get Paramount Plus, yeah. but I'll probably rent it. Uh, by the early 1940s, Green Books held thousands of establishments. Uh, listings were organized by state and city. Mm. They were actually, most of them took place in cities. They were very, very few rural areas. Um, and rural. 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 It's literally R-U-R-A-L. Rural. 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 A rule is a is a guide rural. or a, or actually rural. a rule is an established marker rural. that you have to follow. Rural rule, yeah. rural. Are oh, you dragging out as the oh? Are you just dragging out the <laughs> rule? You just got rule, rule, rule. Yeah, you're just dragging out the rural yeah, part. Okay, uh, green books would rural. become extremely popular, and variations of them will begin popping up in other countries such as Canada, England, and France. I'm just going to agree basically, that I'm right. I think that's what's happening. Basically, any area where people were subjugated for no reason and they needed guides to in order to survive. And be able to travel on the roads because cars were becoming a thing. People were traveling more. They needed to to get out, and they needed help doing so. Green saw an opportunity. Again, fucking hero. Uh, Green would die in 1960, and his wife Alma would continue his work for the the next four or five years. Yeah. Uh, in 1964, the Civil Rights Act would Civil Rights Act would be signed. Green books would quickly and quietly disappear shortly thereafter. I want to make this caveat, and Brandon knows this already. The Civil Rights Act was enacted was signed in 1964. This did not mean the end of racism. This did not mean really the end of Jim Crow. What this meant was white people were forced to allow black people into their communities. However, and sadly and unfortunately, white people refused to go into black communities. So the uh, the backlash of what happened in the Civil Rights Act meant that a lot of black communities, of vibrant black communities and restaurants and in hotels began to disappear. The Green Book, the documentary talks about it, the majority of establishments that were willing to stand up and and take in black travelers, they're almost all but gone because whenever the Civil Rights Act was enacted, black people didn't have to go there so they would go to other places and white people basically shut themselves off from those places and they started to go out of business. And uh, I mean... And it's more than that. If you get... um, There's a book... Uh, written by Malcolm Gladwell. I know we talked about him. We talk about him from time to time on this podcast. Um, uh, I can't remember which one of them. I've read so many of his books. I, I kind of mix them together. Um, he talks about how through the MLK, he got... Talking to Strangers. Talking to Strangers? I, think, I believe it's that one, yeah. Mm. So he... Um, no, I don't think it is. I haven't read Talking to Strangers, so I don't think it's that one. Is I haven't, I haven't, re- I haven't read What the Dog Saw and Talking to Strangers. The two books I haven't read from Malcolm Gladwell. You haven't read this in the Bomber Mafia? Mm, no talking about strangers Bob and mafia the ones he did is like a podcast type audio book yeah but i mean he he did snippets from uh talking with strangers but that wasn't it wasn't um that wasn't the one he picked it, it was like uh he has some stories from martin luther king in outliers and he also has some in talking with strangers it might have been in outliers um so he's talking about how he was looking for people to go from their black schools where children would get good uh acknowledgement and they would get treated right and equally and this and that to go to white schools to start segregate or to get rid of segregation and so little rock nine what it would happen is this dad he took his little girls he took them to the white schools and he he said that you're going to take my kids it's illegal you're going to do it and these in and more and more black kids started going to white schools and um and i hate talking about black and white but this is what it was 
This is what it was at the time. And, and what happened essentially was these black kids would get left at the wayside because these white teachers would not want to teach them. And no black teacher was getting hired at these white schools. And that was, that was the other, the flip side of it was that, um, these, these gifted black kids were going to white schools. Well, white kids weren't going to black schools. So a lot of black teachers were left without jobs. Very, very good educators yeah. were just left because white schools would not hire. Yep. And the white teachers did not want to teach black kids and yep. white kids aren't going over. It It was just a fucked up situation. And I, I don't know. I I just, besides I couldn't imagine not acting that being way. a fucking twat and being racist, which makes zero sense in the first place. Yep. I don't know how to handle that situation because if you don't do that, then we aren't, we're not, we don't get rid of segregation now. You're screwed either way, which is why when people talk about you're, systematic you're racism, if you do damn if you don't. When people talk about systematic racism, it stems from a long time ago. Yeah. So people like Green yep. had to step up and do something. Yep. People like MLK had to step up and do something. Yep. I mean, we can go on and on and on. The list is, is. Yep. And it was, was everything they did perfect, you know, perfect no. or, or it, and every individual who are doing the right thing, even Malcolm X, right? He, I feel like he did, he made a lot of waves that were needed to be made. He said a lot of things that needed to be said. There's a lot of things he did that weren't right. And in the end, he regretted some of the ways that he interacted. He said, we shouldn't have, I shouldn't have said to X out the white people, right? I shouldn't have said to do that. I, I should have come up with a better way of, of saying that we need to be treated right. Yes. Because that's what that's what Malcolm X was about. Is like we're not being treated right, so fuck white people because they're the ones that aren't doing it. And, and I'm gonna be strapped. And if you come at me, I'm gonna take you out. Mentality. Well, he was angry, and it was hard. It, it was, was he was easy mad. to understand. He was easy to understand. Yeah. So um, so what they should have been teaching was in- inclusivity. They should have been telling intermingling. It shouldn't just been the black people having to go into the white communities now. It should have been the white people going into the black communities mm-hmm. now too. Because there and and now there's still a lot of them. You go to Harlem, there's some in LA. Some of these black communities, they're I mean, they're just full of culture and they're beautiful and they're they're amazing places well, that, to go that's visit. That's something like Rob McElhenney talks about in um in on on Whitney's podcast that I brought up beginning of the beginning of the show. Um he talks about how he grew up in Philadelphia and is predominantly black. Yeah. And he's a white guy in a predominantly black area. And they start talking about uh, uh, minorities with him. Like he didn't understand the concept because in his world, it, which is not wrong, he was, he a, minority. was a minority. Yeah. But they were talking about how black people and Mexicans and Asians were the minority. And there's more white people than him, which is also true. So understanding that. The only way to a peaceful, loving world is just not give a fuck about who's majority, who's minority, and just start caring about who needs help and who's willing to do the work to deserve the help. If you're just going to lay down, I don't care what color you are, man. I don't give a shit where your background is. If you're just going to lay down, no one should help you. But if you're going to get up, pick all your bootstraps up, I don't care what color you are. I don't care where you're from. You are going to get your help. You deserve it. You deserve it. And if you don't, man, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. You work your ass off your whole life and you just keep getting fucked and fucked and fucked and you can't get a way out and then you're done. Like, that's it. That, that sucks, man. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to go through that that has not been my life that has not been my life and i am blessed because it's not been my life and then i respect that but man if you want out you have to do the work to get out and i i know that because you've seen story after story after story and and you have to work together 
as a team, as a community, blame, to be able everyone to make else it. is never going to get you where playing you're a get. victim doesn't work. It just it's shown time and well, time again. And I'll say this, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again a million times. If you exclude somebody because they're color their skin because their religion because their sexual orientation if that's the base on why or their gender why you exclude somebody you're the one missing out not them yeah you're the one missing and out. whatever excuse is religion yeah. the way i was raised uh, uh yeah, it's a bullshit excuse. Bull, bull, bullshit. It's a bullshit it's all bullshit if your god tells you to not love somebody else in the wrong, you're, the wrong you're, place, you're believing the you're following the wrong you're man the wrong place, but, uh, you're following the wrong I know one that, i know it, they're a little serious there guys yeah, go ahead I, yeah. I i the green books I could not exclude them for for the reasons of of they're just important for us to remember the the hard work that people put together in order to survive such a a ugly time. Yes, um, they're also important because in the history of guidebooks because these are what people look for as far as motor vehicles because cars were starting to get in they needed guides as they're traveling through America. Victor Green was a trailblazer in both regards. So again, Victor Hugo Green. A person worth knowing, and he's a he's a fucking hero. I I couldn't concur more, Justin. Okay, so we've done our serious part now. Arthur Frommer, that's a weird name. Oh, I didn't get much. I didn't get anything else. You didn't get that. I I I'm, I was done. What Arthur Frommer? That's his name. Let's see. Hold you want to make fun of his name? Um, from over here. Come on, Justin, get it together. <sighs> uh, Chad. Uh, self-published. Uh, so he put a self-published guidebook, GI's Guide to Traveling in Europe. Uh, it hit the shelves in 1955 while Frommer was serving in Germany. Oh, I have it right here. I'm sorry. Um, it sold out its first print. So he's a he's a soldier in Germany. Decides to write a guidebook for fellow soldiers traveling in Europe, um, and they sell out like that. Mm. Uh, two years later, in 1957, Frommer wrote a book for civilians called Europe on Five Dollars a Day. You'll see that like guidebooks. The majority of them are, are written for people to travel, and most travelers aren't just like flush with cash. And if you want to travel a lot, it becomes expensive. So guidebooks, the core of them is to show you how to navigate it without freaking busting your load the first day or on your first trip, right? So he was able to do that on $5 a day in Europe. So Frommer's killing it right now. Again, sell it right away. This would bring about guidebooks for backpack adventures, and that would become kind of a thing throughout the 60s and 70s. Mm. Um, Frommer would leave his law practice, in fact, in 1962, starting his own travel company. Um, he is 92 years old now and still killing it. He is currently worth uh, $25 million. Let me get some other money, dog. Yeah, he said it right. Hey, Frommer, head, head over here, bro. Yeah, so as many other one travelers aren't flush you with cash. From, from or over there. Yeah, to over here. Yeah, Frommer doesn't fall into that category of, of travelers not flush with cash. Um, he was initially, but not anymore. Yeah, yeah, um, because he was he's from here, he's Frommer here, to there. Uh, um, Tony and Maureen Wheeler started Lonely Planet, which I got a lot of the information from. Was a Lonely Were Planet. Were they Wheelers article. and Dealers? Uh, maybe. In 1973, they wrote Across Asia on the Cheap. Wheeler's initial release covered over a dozen countries in 94 pages. They're like across Asia on the cheap, $45 per <laughs> <for> copy. <laughs> uh, Lonely Planet guidebooks would sell soon after, spreading like the Badkers before them, providing a new world for travelers to find a new way around on a budget. Baller uh, on a budget, bitch. And again, it all goes back to Mariana, that boss bitch, dude. She, she really started it. Mariana, burr, 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 burr. and then the green books, and then and then and then all the way to the wheelers. Yeah, uh, top 
guide apps. You Travel guide look apps. this up. You'd be texting on your phone all that money, and then you don't even have the stuff ready. So the best travel apps, and that's kind of where we're at now, right? There's some articles online. Um, Lounge Buddy, that's one of them, apparently. Sounds like that you're going to meet up in a room with some dude, and Air he's help. going to try to touch your pee-pee. Hostel World, it's kind of funny. For, for travel. That is kind of. That's <laughs> clever. It's a play on words. Yeah, I yeah. get it. I get it. Um, Airbnb, mm-hmm. Skyscanner, uh, Hotel Tonight, Trip It. That means that's for you to take home with you. No, I understand. Open Rice, Levy Sweetness. Um, those are apparently the top travel apps. Uh, I used to have one. So whenever I lived in New York, I had a couple apps. One that would help me. Like it, it literally, you put in, I'm in Grand Central Station. I want to get to the Barclay. Yeah. And then you would put it in and it would tell you the exact stops, when to get off, how to get off, and where to go. Oh, I'll tell you how to get off and where to get off. So now you can, you can still find <laughs> and, like. And how to go. <laughs> you can still find like some small travel After guidebooks. After you get off. Some small travel guidebooks, but yeah. mostly they're, it's online and in apps now. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of how we got to here with um, Guidebooks. And that's how did we get here with Justin and Brandon Reyes. Brandon. Justin. Brandon. Justin. Brandon. Justin. Brandon. Justin. Brandon. 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 <laughs> it almost worked. But like, wait. <laughs> Uh, you're not that young. I, I did that to Milo, and he caught on. He got it right away. They're smart kids, dude. Dude, there's they're smart kids. But he paused, and he was like, and then he said he just repeated me instead of like saying the opposite. Yeah. But like in a way of like, I see what you're doing. Like it was very. Uh, I was proud. I was proud, yeah. Dad. Yeah. Uh, I was mad because I wanted to get him, but I was also proud because he ain't got got. You know. It's a very yeah. conflicting feeling. Yeah, it was. Um, I've I've just got to spend a little bit more time these last few days because I've been off of Brown's working and our wives were working on a big project with their new it's business. Like you said this earlier in the podcast. No, but because of that I got to spend a little bit more time with the buns and with Scarlet Girl and the dude. I, I freaking love those little dudes. Those little those I little kiddos. Love that he calls you Uncle Buns. Uh huh. Still since calls ever, me Uncle Buns. Ever since the inception of yeah. what do I call you, Uncle Buns? But even Kate the cat, dude, he was sitting in there, uncle, uncle. Yeah, he's been saying <laughs> uncle a lot. Yeah. So it was it was awesome to spend some time with your mm. little dudes. They're pretty cool. Pretty cool yeah. kids. Yep. I've got a lot of Scarlet time one on one, but she don't really like me like that. She just likes <laughs> to tell me a bunch of stuff and then show me things and then she's like, Okay, leave. Bye. Yeah, like yeah. That's very much the energy I get from from my little Scarlet Girl. That's kind of the energy that most people get from, mm, from Scarlet mm, Girl. That's why I don't get too upset. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she didn't demand I got a, a birthday cake this year, which I'm, I'm kind of glad because I don't need to be eating birthday cake, but also kind of sad because last year she demanded. Like. She demanded. Demanded. She's been kind of off of that. I got to ask her. Because usually she's like, oh, it's her birthday? Cake. Cake. Where's the cake? Where is the cake? And I ain't talking about them buns. I'm talking about cake. Mm-hmm. Covered in fondant, if you want. I don't care. This needs to be some cake, some some fluffy, delicious, maybe even cream-filled, centered. I don't give a shit. Cake. <laughs> Sorry. It was good. It was a good cake, too. She made it for me. She she made me a cake. Scar girl's so funny, dude. She She's me. so funny. That's okay. what I say. How did, how did school go? I twist it. I twist it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she My was like, school's good. And I'll be like, what'd you learn? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. So yesterday I dropped her off at school. 
And she wanted to like run next to the window. She's like, I'm keeping up with you, Dad. She's running. She's waving at me and then running. I was like, oh, I freaking. This is just one of those moments you love. Mm -hmm. And then today she saw Milo. So it was kind of like, get off me, Dad. There's Milo. So. Yeah, it's my cousin right there. I got to look cool. So. um, I twist it. Yeah. (laughs) So peace. So I got got both. Wailed. All right. Uh, FTSOJ, what do you got? Okay. So. Uh, the first magic guidebook written was uh, Reginald Stott, Scott's Discoveries of Witchcraft. In 2018, a guidebook was published called Dismemberment, and it describes all of dismemberment, all aspects of it, including but not limited to tools that were used and why and how to use said tools. First edition, original print, 1999. Pokemon guidebook often goes much 20 to 30 bucks nowadays. So dismemberment sounds like a real thing because people are morbid. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with the Pokemon one. I think it's worth more. That's the that's the one you're going with? This mm-hmm. one you're to that is a true fact. Okay. Yeah. So it doesn't go for that much? I thought it would go for more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I was actually surprised. I was like, what? He's not going to go for this. That's exactly the one you went for. Okay. <laughs> I really, I thought you were going to go for the dismemberment one. No, like, it sounds, it yeah. sounds legit because yeah. dismemberment is freaking, people are morbid. Yeah, it was, uh, it, that's a real, it's a real thing. And yeah. it's uh, written by Dr. Ann Ross and Dr. Eugene Kuna, both of which are nationally certified anthropolo- uh, anthropologists. And I, I, there's a lot more information on them. I could, I could pull it up if you like. So it's the, the but, magic guide. Yeah, I'm figuring we're, we're pretty close on our time, so I'm not yeah. going to. The magic guide I thought would, sounds, sounds like it would be something too. So it is a real thing but uh his book was written in 1956 um so or 1984 sorry and it is the most influential magic book the original is the grammary aka the book of spells is the introduction on how to create magical objects like talisman amulets how to perform magical spells charms and divination and how to summon or invokes supernatural entities such as angels spirits deities and demons um and these are from uh mesopotamian times that's mm. the original spell books they go way back so the yeah. one the the original stats is not the first magic spell book it's just the most influential it's not even close to the first it's just it's the most influential and it, it is from 8 1584 see and i if i would have stopped to think about it for a second i probably because it would make sense that like a, a magic spell book would, would go way back, way further back. Than, yeah. Than it, that's I kind of, the Pokemon ones, the one that threw me off. I was, I was like, like, it's like only $20. There's no way. Cause yeah. especially because how much Pokemon cards are going for going right for, now. Yeah. There was, I, I was looking uh, for how much they were. I was looking at prices and all that. And a lot of cards were obviously popping up because there's not a lot of Pokemon guidebooks going out, being sold nowadays. Uh, it's kind of, they're harder to keep uh, uh, in intact. It's hard to keep them, uh, in, in mint condition than it is cards. Cards, it's easier. You just get some hard sleeves and you let them sit. Um, so which so would, some of those were going like four, two to four grand. But wouldn't that lead more credence into the guidebooks being more valuable if they are mint? Yeah, but they're not useful. Yeah. Pokemon cards you can play with. You have collectors. They're prettier. Guidebooks, they made one printing of them and they didn't make a ton of them. And they're, and they're not really useful anymore. They're just kind of cool to have. Okay. So there's there's Pokemon cards the are more versatile. Are weird, so. We are we are weird. Um, and, and I'm a collector too. Yeah, <laughs> I know you have a shit ton of Funko Pops right here. Um, and, and you collect more than that. So, um, but we like I like I just like to collect Poke or Yu Gi Oh cards. But I like Yu Gi Oh cards for their uh, usefulness. Yeah. Um, I like to play the game. Um, which I've kind of taken a sabbatical for the last couple of months, which was good. But um, 
I think I need to get back into it because it's it's such a fun game to play. Um, so I, I yeah, so that there's that, and those are Justin got this one wrong, and I feel pretty proud of myself. Yep, son of a jism, son of a jism. <clears throat> so we kind of ran the gamut on this episode of back and forth. I think the information was good though. I I, I really was fascinated with the gam- the the uh, travel guides. I think going through the green books. I think the um, the the Nazis the random making a random appearance. Yeah, and getting getting the, the Nazis. Yeah, and getting one of the most famous guidebook authors' houses bombed was. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> Okay, um, real quick, real quick. Anne Ross, the the dismemberment. She is uh, she is a uh, professor of forensic anthropology and skeletal biology at uh, NC State University. So boss bitch. So she she has her shit together. Uh, professor, Department of Biological Sciences, North Carolina State University, Raleigh, North Carolina. Raleigh United states raleigh sir great. I knew I knew it was raleigh too. Um, so Kuna, uh, uh, Eugene Kuna, Matata is a, a certified forensic anthropologist and a full professor at University of uh, Co- Coimbra, C-O-I-M-B-R-A, Co- Coimbra, 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 uh, since 2003. So she's been there a while. He's been there a while. She's uh, been a professor. Oh, it doesn't say the time. Okay. These are the authors of Dismemberment, if you guys yeah. are lost. So these are the Dismemberment one. I, I said that at the beginning before I described who Ross was. Oh, uh, I just wasn't paying attention. Yet. And, and Eugenia, Eugenia is a is a, is a female, not Eugene, it's Eugenia. Uh, she acts as a national consultant for forensic anthropology at the National Institute of Legal Medicine and Forensic Science in Portugal, and she's been doing that since 1997. Also um, boss bitch. She's a member of the American Academy of Forensic Science and the Physical Anthropology section since 2002. Uh, she She's nominated president of FACE, F-A-C-E in 2009. Research and inter- interests cover age and sex examination methods, skeletal uh, patholo- pathologies, trauma analysis. She has published extensively in this area and testified in over 140 international cases. And, and I like uh, Dr. Ross has a lot more information. I just thought uh, Kuna had such cool things. Matata. Kuna Matata. Um so she is the professor censure for functional ecology, University ecology. of Cumbria, Cumbria, Portugal, National uh, Institute of Legal Medicine and Forensic Science in Portugal. So like I, I just really like her um, her uh, her uh, credits, her yeah. her yeah. Anyway, what you're saying is like there weren't just two freaking crazy people making a dismemberment. Exactly, these are like legit people. So like even like Dr. Ross credited, yeah. was uh, internationally certified of a follow, um, for a fellow of the American Academy of Forensic Science. She has extensive experience with court testimony and dismemberment cases. Like she's just showing up all the time. Uh, she teaches and testify uh, testifies and against uh, with this stuff. Um, she's written many forensic uh, anthropology journal articles and published book after book. Uh, the skeletal. Uh, one of them is being the juvenile skeleton in forensic abuse investigations, uh, and that was with in, with Springer in in 2011. So it's an individual, another individual she wrote it with. So she's like also super accredited and super interesting person. Um, so if you like dismemberment and dark stuff, it's probably the right book to read because then you get like the most technical way of doing it. Yeah. Um, but don't please don't dismember anybody. And definitely if yeah. you dismember somebody, if you're morbidly curious, just read the book. That's it. Don't um, say, yeah, I heard about this from this. How did we get here? Podcast. They told me to do it. We're not telling you to dismember anybody. It no. just fascination, curiosity, what this whole podcast is about. 
that's what we're doing here. It's cool to research and learn about it. Sometimes it's not cool to take action on it. Yeah, like being a Nazi is one like we don't want to take action on. Like our bombing bombing a a publishing house because they're Nazis is not. I mean, maybe that. I don't even know if he was a Nazi. They just they because he used his book. They're like might as right. well have been. <laughs> might as well have been. He's German in Nazi Germany. Might as well have. Sure. Sure. Um, <laughs> we owed. <clears throat> thank you guys again for, for listening. Remember to find us on TikTok, Instagram, email us hgwjpod1 at gmail.com. Leave a written review. You could win some merch. Also, if you guys think of a name that we could work for us moving forward, if we don't think of one on our own, we like it enough, we use it, you will get some merch there as well. You can go to our anchor page anytime, donate to the show. You can also go to justarace.com to find our YouTube channel for this. You can also just go to YouTube or email us, and we can give you the directions to that as well. Booty, 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 rocking everywhere. Take us out, Isaac. Thank you for the music. We love you. <laughs>